This is the final whistle on Ocean FM as a history-making League of Ireland season for the first-ever Sligo Rovers senior women's team draws to a close. Head coach Steve Feeney is in studio to give us the gaffer's insight on just how season number one has gone. In a week when four Masters minor Gaelic footballers complete a league and championship double in Donegal, we'll be asking where this conveyor belt of exciting underage talent has come from. Club chairperson and underage mentor Porrick Harvey will hope Hopefully provide the answers. Plus, it's National Cup weekend in basketball for the All-Stars. We'll lay up for Saturday's trip to St. Vincent's in Dublin with point guard Tom Childs. And you're welcome to the programme. This is Austin O'Callaghan and here's how you can get in touch if you have comments or questions for our studio guest tonight. 083 3500 530 by WhatsApp or by text. If you prefer email, the address sport at oceanfm.ie and you'll find us on Twitter right now as well at oceanfmsport. So, coming up... We will have basketball chat with Tom Child of the EJ Sligo All-Stars, a bulging underage trophy cabinet at Four Masters GA Club in Donegal Town. But first, to the showgrounds and the end of a momentous inaugural season for women's soccer. A lot of our players maybe haven't played competitively in in quite a while at this level. Um, they have experience, but then because there w- weren't opportunities for them to continue playing, um, they maybe weren't able to keep playing at a high level. Um, so we're, we're getting them all back in, and, and they're very good. They're all doing well in preseason, but it's it's baptism by fire for the first match. I have a great belief in the women's in the women's game because women bring families into the club. It's uh, and uh, the entertainment value was wonderful. I was watching the World Cup last year. It was sensational stuff was going on there. So I mean, I have a great belief in the women's game, and it's very important for Sligo Rovers. That's the biggest crowd I've ever played in front of. But I was nervous coming out, but I was excited too. But it was class. Every time you ran with the ball, like you could just hear the crowd like lifting you and roaring. Like it was an amazing feeling. From like the first day that we we came down to Rovers, like it's completely changed and the progress that we're making every week. Um, and that's that's what it's going to take. Like. Every game's going to be a challenge and we're just going to look to push on and, and get better and better every match. If you look at our group, we're together now only maybe eight or nine weeks. Um, you have girls on Thea Laura's team there playing the last six or seven years together. So that's the difference maybe today. But as I said, with time over the next few weeks and next couple of months, when we play them again next time around, I'm sure that um, will be a lot more clinical and a bit more cuter, I think, on, on front of goal and all around the pitch as well. Yeah, the voice of Sligo Rovers captain Emma Hansbury, along with some of her teammates, Gemma McGuinness and Emma Doherty, the Donegal natives, Kristen Sample, the goalkeeper in there as well, along with Rovers chairman Tommy Higgins. An eighth place finish for Sligo Rovers in their inaugural SSE Ertricity Women's National League season. They did beat eventual champions Shelburne along the way, but it was a steep learning curve too at times. The team you'll know was put together very quickly by any standards at the start 
start of the year. So how was it for Rovers themselves and more importantly, can they sustain it? Well, head coach Steve Feeney is in the final whistle studio tonight. Steve, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, Alison. This is your first Thursday night off in a long, long time because this normally is a training evening for Sligo Rovers. Yeah, we'd normally be training now, so um, it's good to fill the void for, for this week anyway. You don't know what to do with yourself, do you? <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely uh, strange not heading for the showgrounds or uh, ATU uh, for training with the girls and that, but uh, I think we all kind of needed a break now after a long kind of 10 months. Are you glad of the rest? Yeah, yeah. If I'm honest, I am. Yeah, um, it's been a, a very good season in a lot of ways, but it's it has been a long season as well, and a lot of work has gone into it. So uh, I think a break is needed by everyone now at this stage. What well, has it turned out to be a very different season than you envisaged? I mean, did your expectations of what managing the Sligo Rovers senior team would be like did they come to pass, or did it take you in a completely different direction? Yeah, I suppose um, I probably went in a bit blind because um, it was a new team and obviously it was my first time with a, a women's uh, senior team. Um, so I suppose a lot of it was unknown. Um, but I, I was just blown away about the commitment and kind of the desire that uh, all the girls showed in terms of obviously getting to training because the travelling some of them were doing. But even the local girls, like how much they wanted to be at training and then when they were at training, their attitude, you know, we, we could never fault the attitude or the effort. Like, you know, obviously there was times we would have wanted more in games games or wanted more in certain situations but um, the girls were just a pleasure to deal with from, from day one Like, and you know they just never let up What was the toughest part of the job? Um, probably just managing people you know like obviously everyone wants to play and um, it's a tough decision every week picking a team and even picking a squad some weeks was, was tough um, and leaving girls out and leaving girls out of a team that probably deserved to play just as much as some of the girls that were playing but um, I suppose that's part of, of management and obviously it's kind of new to me being the kind of making the final call on it but um, we tried to make the decision we thought was right for the team or for that match um, we got some right we got some wrong you know and I, I think it'll always be that way but um that was definitely the hardest part for me was was leaving out girls that you knew were good enough to play and they just missed out uh, you know for whatever reason uh, from week to week yeah because let's remind people back at the beginning of the year this all happened pretty quickly from the moment that Sligo Rovers announced they had been accepted into the senior league of ireland team you were appointed as head coach towards the end of last year or maybe even in early yeah, january was, uh, maybe the middle of december or the third week in december yeah. Like that, yeah and the league was due to start on the 5th of march so in january you went into the showgrounds and bar a couple of under 19 Sligo rovers women's players who potentially might have the capability to play up you had a blank sheet of paper in terms of your squad list so it was a fairly frantic start for you and those around you to build a squad. Yeah, like it was a busy time, you know. Um, by a couple of days over Christmas, maybe, um, the first few weeks were just manic, you know, uh, contacting so many people and uh, touching play- base with players just to see if they were in a position to, to give it a go or to commit. Um, you know, there was a lot of girls that just didn't suit because it was such short notice and they might have committed to something else or they were heading away travelling or whatever. So... Yeah, it was. It was a lot of work, I suppose, kind of behind the scenes or away from the pitch. Um, 
and like you know a lot of people were, were very good uh, at the time you know for kind of touching base and they were letting me know if there was other girls that I didn't know of or even some of the players we signed like you know I, I do slag Lauren Bowles at times that she should be an agent when she stops playing because um, she, she went on a recruitment drive at one stage and was responsible for Gemma McGuinness and a couple other girls that we nearly got you know were uh, true Bowles he's underage uh, international caps and stuff like that you know and obviously Hansa has such good connections as well like you know she was responsible for a few coming down as well so um, I suppose we all rode in and uh, like I was delighted with the squad we ended up with I never envisaged having such a competitive squad like Okay well let's start on one of the people you've mentioned just there Hansa is Emma Hansbury who of course a former Irish international and a multi-talented sports person was getting her on board critical to the start of this? Yeah, I think so. Like, um, like uh, obviously, Hans is such a big name around the league. Like, never mind in Sligo. Um, you, you know, obviously, we would have seen it firsthand. You know, other people mightn't. But when we go away and play anyone, you know, in particular Wexford, obviously because of what she achieved down there, the, the reception she gets, like, is, is it's it's lovely to see. Like, you know, and it, it shows what she done. Um, but there's so much more in her. Like, you know, and I, I think she was very unlucky this year with injuries. But um, the one thing about her, she just kept coming back. You know, she didn't know when to give up. Um, so hopefully now she can have a wee bit more luck and you know we can enjoy her playing a bit more but um, I think getting her was crucial because I think it convinced a lot of other girls that um, you know we'd have a, a good side and we'd have a good squad and that we'd have some good players playing like you know so when you have someone who's won the league and cups and has played in Champions League like it, it was obviously an attraction then for other players to come and play with her. And when you went recruiting or sent out your agent Lauren Bowles looking for players like what, what was the reaction? Did the squad come together more quickly than you thought or was it a bit of a struggle. Um, I suppose like some girls uh, kind of I suppose committed to either coming into training and seeing what they thought or kind of committed straight away and then you had other girls who you know were kind of coming in for a few weeks to see if it was something they could do in terms of travelling or what work could they juggle uh, work on getting down for training and playing and stuff like so I suppose a bit of both like you know some some of it came together fairly quick and then other bits were a bit longer kind of coming together but um, I suppose like if someone had said to me in December and January that I'd, I'd, I'd go into the first kind of week of the season with the squad we had like I, I wouldn't have expected it you know I would have been over the moon with it like you know we'd, we'd such a kind of high standard of players like and obviously a lot of them hadn't played at that level or played in the league for a long time or played football for a while which obviously kind of was important that we had to give them time but uh, in terms of ability and uh, attitude like we, you know we couldn't have wished for more like yeah, and then that opening Saturday of the league season, that first Sligo Rovers match up in Dublin on the 5th of March away to Piedmont United who had just been pipped to the league title on the very last day of the previous season by Noel King's Shelburne. I mean, you were playing in Women's League of Ireland terms the, the Manchester City or Liverpool yeah. of of the women's game here first day out. What was that experience like that Saturday afternoon? Yeah, like uh, obviously the scoreline it suggests, well actually the scoreline now on paper looks like we won 3-0 but the, the real scoreline from the match... Um, you know, like it's easy to kind of say, like they outclassed us and that, and you know, they, they probably did, and they probably you, had you lost six nil for those who don't remember, but you know that, that probably didn't reflect the scoreline. But the occasion or that 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 moment yeah, well, you know, was it a proud moment for you and the players? Yeah, well, result like, notwithstanding, from a personal point of view, it was very proud. Like you know, like I've obviously grown up in Sligo and was lucky enough to play for Rovers. Like and the club always kind of meant something to me. So to manage to to manage any senior team for Rovers would have meant an awful lot. But to manage the women's team in their first ever game, you know, was special. Um, but also to kind of see the girls who would kind of work so hard for the for the six weeks or the eight weeks beforehand. Um, 
Um, to see them competing against, you know, like arguably the best, if not one of the best teams in the league the last few years, um, you know, playing against internationals like Anya Gorman, who'll be heading off to the World Cup like in a few months, like and to see girls who hadn't had the chance to play at that level, um, you know, go out and compete against them. And, you know, obviously the scoreline would suggest we mightn't have competed as much as we wanted, but there was spells in the game where you could see that the girls were, were able to play at this level. And it, I think it gave us an awful lot of hope and belief going forward that, you know, while the result wasn't anywhere what you'd want, that it, it, it just kind of made us believe that, you know, we can actually do something this year in this, in, in this league. Yeah. Um, and those early cluster of games, were they the steepest learning curve? Um, they were like you know looking back on it now um, I suppose like you know we were kind of just going with the, the momentum of the start and you know like seeing how girls were adjusting to the league and that um, you know I think getting a result in our third game was massive for us because it, it you know it just cemented that belief that we might have had in the girls as a backroom team but I think it made the girls finally you know realise that yeah we are good enough to score goals and we are good enough to win games there so I think that game down in Cork uh, the 2-1 win um, you know I think that really kind of pushed us on and you know not even in terms of results but just in terms of belief for competing with everyone that we played against after that. And the squad you put together, you you pulled in players who were making names for themselves in other sporting codes. You mentioned Lauren Bowles, who was playing inter-county football with Sligo. So to Orna O'Dowd was a noted Gaelic footballer. But a, a lot of these players are at a seriously high level across a range of different sports. And the trick was, I suppose, from your point of view, to, to persuade them, here's a project it's worth... Yeah, I suppose that was our, was our biggest thing was trying to convince them to give it a go, you know, um, and like we had to make sure that when they were coming in training, they were coming into an environment that was enjoyable, but also one that was kind of, you know, as professional as we could make it, like so that they felt like, yeah, this is going to be good, like this is, we're going to be looked after, we're going to be treated well, uh, and we are going to try and compete with teams like so, um, like the couple of girls you mentioned, like and so many more, like you know, Paula McGrory, Fiona Doherty, like all girls who can play, you know, well, definitely one, if not two or three sports um, at a high level. Um, you know, so it was, I suppose, we tried to convince them and thankfully they, they kind of took the gamble on, giving it a go. Um, and I, I think, you know, individually and collectively, they all had, had very good seasons. Like, And for yourself, Steve, this was new territory for you, albeit you were a, a very experienced coach and player. You mentioned Sligo Rovers, you spent a decade with Ballon the Manor United as a player and in a coaching capacity there. And you, you've had coaching experience yourself locally as well. But this was new terrain for someone like yourself. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, um, I suppose I kind of used to always watch managers, like you know, even from a young age, um, I would have watched managers and how they kind of carried themselves, or you know, what they said, or you know, what they said at certain situations, um, and it was always something that appealed to me. But um, I have to say, I like I had no idea what it was like. You know, um, I thought I did, but when you're in the thick of it, and you know, you're dealing with different things, like on the pitch and off the pitch, and um, it was it was a very steep learning curve, you know, and. Um, like been brutally honest, like I, I've probably never doubted myself as much in football as I have this year. Um, but thankfully, like I had uh, great support around me in terms of our backroom team, but also at home, like with my wife and my family, and you know, even my own parents and in-laws and friends. You know, like the. That you haven't they're, seen they're starting to remember what you look like again. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. like the, you haven't seen as much of. Um, but they're always the first one on the phone if you know if there's been a bad or a good result. Like so, um, I suppose that's what kind of kept it going. And obviously, like the, the the group of girls we had as well, like they just they just never knew when to give in. Like they wanted to keep going and keep going. So like that kind of pushed you on to keep you know keep pushing on yourself. And presumably, you had football people around you that you could bounce things off. 
lean on for information and guidance? Yeah, like like obviously our own kind of backroom team, like uh, I had like Jay McCartney and Brendan Fitzsimon and Kristen and that. Um, but even away from that, you know, people I've worked with, um, former managers like Gavin Dykes or Harry McConkey, uh, and to be honest, even some of the managers in in the league, like Tommy Hewitt at that loan and Graham Kelly at DLR were were brilliant to me. Like from literally the day I got the job, both of them made contact with me. Now I would have known Tommy from uh, my short stint in that loan. Um, but both were so supportive throughout the season, you know, and even some of the other managers like James O'Callaghan at Piedmont, um, they just made you feel very welcome, but also were there, you know, if there was ever a time you were kind of struggling with things or kind of second-guessing yourself, like they, they always had a kind of word of advice, which was which was much appreciated. Like A word on one of the team players you mentioned there, Kristen Sample, from the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, although she had been in the UK and Europe in, in more recent seasons. You brought her on board as a goalkeeper to be came with and she got a serious injury in the first half of the season so things had to modify and adapt pretty quickly yeah um, yeah so Kristen um, I, I t- Conor Grady has to take the thanks for Kristen coming on board um, uh, so Kristen came in as her goalkeeper and goalkeeping coach um, at the start of the season and as you rightly said she was very unfortunate I think it was in the 8th eight, eight or ninth game against Galway she suffered a, a really bad break uh, to her arm um, which ruled her out for the rest of the season but um, she she definitely adapted and adjusted because uh, she ended up fulfilling so many roles like she stayed on as goalkeeping coach obviously uh, much hindered um, and brought in our kit man Ronan Cox as, as her assistant goalkeeping coach for the rest of the season um, but uh, like she she used to do anal- analysing the games for us clipping games for us she was in with the underage teams in with the men's team you know she's um, she's been a massive addition to the club like in, in so many ways like um, uh, I, don't, I don't know where she gets the energy and time to be honest but um, she's definitely one we're, we're happy to have around the showgrounds a real character by all accounts yes um She's she's someone who uh, cut you in half with her words, but at the same time, um, it's coming from a place of just wanting you know wanting us to achieve and wanting us to be better. But was that healthy to have people who will call it like that? You know, yeah. some some personalities might take umbrage with some of the stuff that's said, but do do you need? You need an element of that in the dressing room, yeah, don't you? I, th- I think there's a balance, like, you know, and I, like, hopefully, <laughs> you'd have to ask the players, but hopefully between us all we kind of got the balance, you know, like um, some people would say I'm very relaxed or I'm kind of quiet enough on the sideline, but, um, you know, I think we kind of had a little bit of everything, you know, through the staff, like, and hopefully we kind of got a balance where the girls felt that, you know, we had trust in them, but at the same time that if, if something needed to be said to them, you know, one of us had said to them, and, you know, it was always kind of coming from a place of wanting the best for the girls and wanting them to be as good as they can be, like, you know, so I think that would have shone through whatever the way the message was delivered. Yeah, and then so you have, you know, Kristen Sample from the other side of the world coming to the showgrounds on the one hand. Then you go further up the Wild Atlantic Way and you look into Donegal. You got Gemma McGuinness, an established player. And then one of the diamonds you found. Now, Donegal soccer fans had heard about this young teenager doing or leaving cert from Bunkrana Hearts, Emma Doherty, who you persuaded to come and sign for Sligo Rovers and take a chance on something new for here. Yeah. Was she your best signing this season? I, I don't know if I could pick one, to be honest. Uh, um, best signing, you know, I think a lot of them have been, have been excellent. Like, you know, and even some of the ones that probably didn't get half the headlines have been 
brilliant around tra- training and stuff, you know. But uh, Emma, um, obviously, like I'd actually heard of Emma as well, even though I wouldn't have been kind of involved with girls soccer the, the season before this. Um, but I had heard about Emma um, from a few people, um, so she was one of the first we kind of went to kind of inquire about and see what the situation was. Uh, and I suppose the link with ATU and Column Jinx over the soccer down there was was probably a massive uh, factor for us, you know, because I've no doubt there was many other clubs that were uh, trying to persuade Emma to come to them. So thankfully Emma came down to the the open day we had between the college and uh, Sligo Rovers um, and played that day. And uh, myself and Column Jinx uh, took turns chatting to her and chatting to her dad to try and persuade them that it was the right place to be. Like, um, And obviously the connection then with uh, having a few girls from Donegal coming down um, Emma was, you know, kind of keen to get playing at national league level, and I think anyone who's seen her playing this year knows why she was. Well, I heard a story about Emma Doherty during the season and her dad. That dad collected Emma from the airport one morning. She was on international duty with the yeah. Republic of Ireland, and that morning was a Saturday morning, I think, when Rovers were playing, I think, in Cork, in Cork an yeah. away match, yeah. and you had excused the international players quite rightly because they were on international duty but Emma got in at 7 in the morning and her dad collected her and instead of driving back to Donegal to rest, recuperate and recover she says Dad bring me to Turner's Cross and I think she came on in the second half is that right? right. That was the game I mentioned earlier the third game of the season Um, Emma had been away and uh, I actually think it was later than that that our flight got in I think it was delayed Um, so literally I think we were there and Emma landed as I think it was as the team were coming back in for the start of the game um, for the last few bits uh, to head out for the game Emma was getting changed um, so she basically done a warm up during the first half and at half time and uh, she came on I could be wrong now but about 10 minutes into the second half I think and um, obviously scored the second goal that day um, but you know it was was a real handful when she came on um, uh, but yeah um, Emma's commitment is uh, kind of serious but her dad has um, I'd say there's not too many roads in Sligo or, or in Ireland that he hasn't travelled with her over the years to get her to football um, she's she's very persuasive but um, I'm, yeah, I'm wondering though when you and Jay McCartney on the touchline see this sort of commitment not just from Emma Doherty but others in the squad as well does that make you think, yeah, what we're trying to do here is worth it? Yeah, definitely. Um, like any time I had kind of any doubts or, you know, kind of was questioning things or that, like it, it was the girls and their attitude like to, to training and to matches like was, I suppose, what kind of made you realise like just how kind of lucky you are to be involved with this group. Like, you know, like we had so many, like, you know, I'd be kind of wary of naming individuals like because I think over the season, I think we had 30 players in our squad, like we lost a couple at different times, but um, like everyone, I'm like, there's there's no one that I look back at and think like, oh, well, she was a bad egg or she didn't train hard or anything. like, you know, everyone I'm kind of bought into what we were doing and um, to a, like to, to a girl that were brilliant, like, you know, and some of them were like, you know, were traveling huge distance, but even the girls that are racing Sligo, you know, like they were, they were giving up time that they could have been spending with family or partners or that. So it was a massive commitment they all gave, like, and it, it was what pushed us on then as a backroom team as well to give the same kind of commitment. Let me go to the text and WhatsApp here, Steve. A couple of them coming in for you on 0833500530. This one says, question for Steve, how important are the under-17 and under-19 women's teams at the showgrounds for the development and progression of the senior side? Massive. Um, like anyone that's kind of kept an eye on us or followed us this year, like, you know, we'll see how many of the girls have actually come through the club in the last few years, never mind, you know, the older girls who had been 
uh, playing football in Sligo. Um, but yeah, like there's been great work done at under seventeen, under nineteen. Like Aaron O'Connor obviously was the seventeens manager and Dara Healy, but you know even the backroom teams they had in place. Uh, and you know there's girls that done really well this year with the nineteens and seventeens that didn't get in with us. Um, but you know they'll they'll definitely be pushing for next season. Um, but you know there was there was some of the girls who stepped up from seventeens and nineteens this year and you know done exceptionally well. Like you know and really held their own and have showed that they're well able to play a national league level. So we obviously hope they'll push on again now next season uh, and we're, we're looking forward to seeing which of the girls from the 70s and 90s are, are ready to step up again To the untrained eye Steve people will, may look at the League of Ireland table and look for Sligo Rovers women's first season and they see out of 10 clubs they finished 8th they lost more games than they won there were a couple of 5 goal hits that you took at various stages of the season but this is a successful season can you explain why to people? <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Like, look, there was there was some results that um, you know look look bad in paper, and at the time looked bad. Been involved in them, um, but <clears throat> I suppose when you take take where we came from, you know, like, and we brought a group of girls together that you know a lot of them didn't even know each other. Like, so never mind on a football pitch. You know, we didn't know how they were going to mix and gel kind of as a group, which uh, we we got lucky with to be honest, because they they were brilliant together. Like, you know, there was there was so much entertainment within the group, um, but on the pitch as well they gel. And you know, um, at times we looking back on it, like you know, and kind of assessing it from my point of view, like we might have chopped and changed a bit too much, um, you know, to let the girls kind of get settled and get used to playing with each other. But um, you know, like they, they never kind of you know there was no moans. People played out of positions. People moved from one position to another during games, during season. We changed shape. Um, I suppose there was just so many kind of learnings and that during the season that anyone who kind of watched us from I suppose when we played our first preseason game in the showgrounds in January against. Um, uh, a local uh, Con Rangers from Mio. Um, you know, I, I think anyone who would have seen us in that game, and then the progression that was made, kind of obviously same week on weeks. You know, you're looking at the results, but I think in terms of performance, you would have seen the improvements as the season went on. You paid tribute earlier to the contribution on and off the pitch of your team captain Emma Hansbury. Was there a part of you all there that was wishing she could have had an an injury-free season to show the Emma Hansbury that we know is there, a very successful sportswoman. You know, the heart and the head was willing, but the body wasn't, you know, because of yeah. the wear and tear of her very successful and illustrious sporting career. Definitely, like, you know, I, I think even other other teams, you know, they might have regretted it uh, when she was playing against them, but I think everyone in the league would have liked to have seen Emma, you know, like, get a fully fit season under her belt because she's a class footballer, like, you know, and people like watching good footballers, like, and Emma, Emma brought an awful lot to the group as captain, like, you know, even though she was injured, like, you know, she kept getting setbacks during the season but she kept fighting back and coming back and pushing to play and you know she she I suppose she showed a kind of resilience in that that we're going to need as a team we needed it last year but we're going to need it next year as well um, and ideally we'd love Emma to, to be injury free and that you know but I think the injuries was something we kind of were expecting we were probably expecting a bit more uh, injuries than we got um, just purely because the, the girls were going from not playing at this level to all of a sudden you know training twice a week and obviously doing their own bits um, and then playing you know in, in games that were being played at a good tempo and a good level like so we were kind of expecting to pick up a lot more kind of injuries than we did and probably that's where our thanks go to our kind of backroom team in terms of fitness and physio Karen Mulroney like um, getting girls ready but Emma was probably the one that was just that bit unlucky along with Kristen who um, just didn't get to have the season that I, I'm sure more than anyone they wish to have but we would have loved to have seen them having but 
hopefully next season can be a bit different for the two girls. So if you had to list the top three lessons you've learned from this first season with Sligo Rovers or, or just the type of things that might be on that list with a view to next season because next season we'll see Shamrock Rovers women's team come into the League of Ireland. There'll be a new Galway team. That was a wobble for the West Coast when Galway announced they wouldn't be continuing but Galway United are coming in with a women's team next season. That potentially has consequences for Sligo Rovers too in terms of finding players west of the Shannon. And I'm just wondering what what are the sort of things that might be on your to-do list in yeah, the close season? In terms of Shams obviously coming in, like you know, it's it's brilliant in one sense because Shamrock Rovers is obviously a big name in, in League of Ireland circles. Um, um, and I've no doubt they'll come in and strengthen their, their team very quickly. Um, so um, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting league next year. You know, um, from our point of view, um, I suppose the big things for us is we want to kind of you know really kind of nail down a kind of style of play and how we want to play. And you know we want to get the balance right of being a team who you know can concede less goals, but we still want to be exciting to watch and you know try and get people uh, through the gates and the showgrounds to come and watch the games. Um, I suppose learnings for me um, is probably don't doubt things as much you know kind of trust your gut and you know trust the people around you and what they're saying and what they're telling you um, and if if we can keep um, the majority of the group we have um, and push them on another bit I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to next season Your Shelburne counterpart Noel King who's preparing his side for a tilt at a Ligand Cup double this Sunday he Shelburne play at Athlone Town in the FAI Cup final at Talla Stadium and uh, Athlone you'll know include uh, Gertrude's Roshi Malloy and Munner Hamilton's Murren Devaney in their squad but he reckons that if we're serious about making this league sustainable it's going to have to turn to some sort of professionalism whether it's semi-professionalism or make it a professional league in the not too distant future from a Sligo Rovers perspective is that realistic? Um, obviously the chairman and club might uh, be able to better answer that better for you but uh, from my point of view like I think it is something that you know I'm not saying it has to be next season or the year after but I do think somewhere down the road like it has to become uh, at least a semi-professional uh, setup, um, you know and I, th- I think you can see like you know the interest in women's football has definitely spiked over the last few seasons and obviously now with the Ireland uh, team travel or qualifying for the World Cup that should you know push it on to another level like so I think there's momentum building and there has been momentum building so um, I think it's just getting the timing right but doing it when uh, when clubs are in a position to kind of back it up in the right way financially and I think there has to be assistance from the FEI to, to do that and do it in the right way. We're almost out of time. There's a lot more things I could ask you but you know locally what more could be done locally to help the Sligo Rovers senior team? I mean outside the gates of the showgrounds you know we spoke about this before we came on air there isn't an adult junior soccer women's league in this part of the world at the moment would something like that be a help? Yeah, I, well, I, I think, you know, never mind for kind of me or Sligo Rovers, I think if an adults uh, women's league in Sligo would be brilliant, you know, because there's so many girls over the years that have, have played up till kind of under 16 at the time and then under 18 and then there was nowhere for them to go and play locally. Um, and even like some of the girls that be with us, you know, like I'm sure some of them when they, when they start playing with us would love to be able to go and play for their local team or go and play with some mates that mightn't have been uh, of the standard of the National League, uh, you know, to enjoy it. Um, so I do think like it'd be something that'd be great to see uh, in the next year or two, if if possible, that um, some of the girls that you know play for some of the clubs like Manor and Yates and Strand Celtic and St John's, like that we see them progressing to senior teams for the clubs. And 
obviously it gives us a chance to kind of see if they might be good enough to play at national league level but even just for those clubs the the work that is going in at underage level at all them clubs like that they have a, a senior women's team to kind of go and support and have the future generations look up to and think that I want to go and play for my local club at, at senior level too. Sounds to me, Steve Feeney, that your closed season mightn't be that much of a closed season. <laughs> yeah, no, the, there's, been, there's been a few meetings already and there's more planned. So, yeah, it'll be a busy few weeks, but uh, uh, we'll get a break over Christmas for a couple of weeks and uh, we'll be back at it then, hopefully in January, all going well. Yeah, and um, are you someone who would write down targets for next season, what you'd like to achieve with this Sligo Rovers team? Yeah, like we, it was something we done kind of at different times during the season with the girls, like, and I suppose we, we kind of want the girls to take ownership of quite a lot because it, at the end of the day it's their team and they're the ones on the pitch and so we want them to feel that it's, you know, like it's, that they have a big say in it because, you know, they're the ones on the pitch and we have full trust in them, so um, it's just getting that balance right of us kind of pushing our ideas and stuff and then the girls um, you know feeling like they can give their opinion and coming up with goals and realistic targets for ourselves and then trying to get to them Well look we hope you enjoy the rest such as it is Steve Feeney thanks for coming in to the final whistle studio and continue success you're going to stay on for next season I'm yeah, guessing yeah I'll be there next season yeah that's good well turn off the phone <laughs> and get some rest Steve Feeney head coach of Sligo Rovers Women thank you for joining us on the programme thanks program. very much Austin. Ocean FM Ocean FM's final whistle thanks to Donegal Plumbing and Heating Old Lahey Road Donegal Town suppliers of underfloor heating packages aluminium radiators Samsung and Daikin air to water heat pumps and all your renewable needs well, when it comes to adult Gaelic football in Donegal, four Masters GA club in the town may not be in the top four tier countywide just at the moment, but underage, they are one of the clubs who are making heads turn, especially when it comes to the juvenile sector, and that's from under 12 up to minor. Last bank holiday Monday, the team's minor side beat a Michael Murphy-drilled Glen Swilly in the county minor A championship final to complete a league and championship double in 2022 and this is the same group of players who won an All-Ireland Fela title just a few years ago and this sort of prominence isn't a flash in the pan, it's happening across a couple of aged underage teams at Chirconnell Park. So where does the story of Four Masters underage resurgence begin? That's a question I put to club chairman and current minor team mentor Porrick Harvey. Um, I suppose it really started um, when I was underage. You know, I was very lucky. We had great underage teams as well when I was coming through in the sort of mid uh, late nineties. Um, you know, we've got volunteers that time: Andy Moore, Kieran Keeney, John Joe Shea, Danny Dunyon, Peter Dunyon, with loads of great helpers that time. And we're starting to see them um, parents of uh, players from that time and ex players from sort of the early nineties coming back into us and helping out in coaching and volunteering, not just in coaching and managing, just at all age groups, but sort of that combined with sort of Donegal Town area has got a little bit bigger in the last 10 years. And the primary schools got bigger and the participation just rates have went through the roof. Um, you know, that combined with us getting a lot of great volunteers and different people from different clubs have moved to Donegal Town and getting involved and just a lot of hard work as well. So, so then sort of a couple of things really you know, extra volunteers and the population growing a little bit and just hard work really has sort of all come together really in the last couple of years, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's no secret sauce per se. The population has got bigger. You've had, you know, new people settling in Donegal Town. But what sort of building blocks 
did you put in place then, Porek, to, to try and nurture, capture and develop that potential underage yeah. talent? Well, we started the academy, coaching academy there sort of 10 to 12 years ago. The unions would have been doing it a lot longer than that. We sort of went over and we spoke to the unions uh, about their academy and watched it. And a lot of clubs have do, are doing it now around Nigal and nationally, you know. So basically what that involves is coaching just four or five, six-year-olds. The, the basics of movement skills, really, you know, that generally balance coordination. Um, from that, you know, we've got a lot of parents involved with the teams and you know, we're just giving everybody the chance to play Gaelic football in the local area, you know. And um, from that, you know, we get kids in early and we get them into it. And sort of, you know, we, we, our numbers are good as a result of that as well. You know, um, we're just trying to give everybody a chance to try out Gaelic football within the town locality, you know. Um, the primary schools are fantastic. We have five primary schools in our area and they're all... They promoting the Gaelic, and um, we've obviously done all GA coaches come around as well, which is great help. Um, it's just a lot of things coming together, really. Austin, it's not just one thing. Um, you know, we're not doing anything majorly different to what we would have ten years ago. But it's just maybe groups of players have come there. You know, with different age groups as well. You know, you'll do nothing if you don't have talented players. So we're lucky that way as well. We've groups of players there that are quite talented, but they're prepared to come in and train and put in hard work on the pitch as well. Has it helped that it's people like yourself, Porik? You know, you're, you're in your 30s, I think. You know, you're your chairperson am, of the club. Yeah. You, you, you played underage in the re- fairly recent past before Masters, so you have a sense of what's going to attract the younger generation in terms of what you offer, that it's going to appeal and engage these players. Yeah, well, a huge, a huge part of our club at underage is participation is, is getting everybody football to develop and stick at it um, you know we if we have enough players we, we, we generally have two teams at each age group um, you know and that, that's massive really to keep players playing and keeping their interest you know um, we train them all together if we have two teams um, they're all treated the same whether they're the first player or the last player or whatever um, they're all treated the same Um you know, and that's very, very important that they're all might feel welcome and sort of part of it. And that's what it's about as much as winning or losing or whatever. It's about them sort of gaining friendships from it and sort of, you know, feeling valued and sort of, you know, ho- hoping that they'll see themselves improving as, as they stick at it, you know. Um, so the massive emphasis is on participation and giving everybody games. And, you know, or if you were to come out and watch our trainings, they're not overly difficult or, you know, it's a real focus on mastering the basic skills and sort of getting football for everybody. You know, we do go to a lot of different blitzes and different things around the place, but it's uh, it's really just to get everybody football. That's what we want to do at the underage. Okay, this is interesting, and I imagine it's interesting for a lot of coaches listening to this interview, Porik, what, whatever county or area of Donegal they're in, because there is that fine line to strike between catering for your marquee players and bringing all your club players along with you, keeping them interested, keeping that that, that, that involved. And it's yeah. not always as easy as it sounds, but it's it sounds like four masters have come up with a formula that's working. Um, I'm not sure what it is. Um, like, you know, the players, all the players, develop a different rich, you know, and maybe your star player at under ten will be your star player at minors generally the way it works out. Um, you know, we, we we've tended to have a lot of late developers as well. Um, you know, I have to say since the lockdown our 
lot of our players are coming in kicking points and practicing a lot themselves you know and that's really really massive thing and you know that they can see themselves improving when they do put in that extra bit of work themselves um you know but it's um just a lot of things coming together really often it's not one major thing um you know and our big emphasis at underage's participation as i said yeah but it's also you know a major emphasis from 15 up 16 70 is sort of you know, emphasising that we want the players to stick at it longer term, maybe to go on and play for our seniors or reserves, you know, and play for the club for longer term, really, you know, that they're not done when they've finished playing at under 17, really, you know, that we want them longer term than that, you know, and um, whether they go on to play a senior reserve, hopefully they'll get involved in the club further down the line, maybe in coaching or administration or whatever, um, you know. I want to come back to that point to finish in just a moment, uh, yeah. uh, Porrick, but to go back to last Monday and that minor county final success over Glen Swilly, which completed uh, an A-League and Championship double for for Masters. You were one of the mentors on the, on the sideline. I think I remember talking to your colleague Damien Dunyon a few years ago when this four Masters group of players won the All-Ireland Under-14 Fela. You have managed to carry this group through the age groups very successfully? Yeah, no, Damien's done a, a brilliant job with them. Uh, Emma Gallers there, uh, Joyce McMullen, we have a great backroom team, Becky Bushell's coming in, coming there, Shane Cannon. We have, we have, we have uh, not only a very good group of players there, you know, um, I think I feel we have a good management team with them, you know. Um, no, the players have really stuck at it. We haven't really lost many players. Um, they're all mad keen to train and improve and sort of you know, they're 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 a great they're a great bunch of players to work with. Um now Damien in fairness to him is he he's the gel that links it together really with that grip there. He he's brilliant at sort of just emphasizing the importance of them giving their best and just, you know, that at the end of the day it's a game of football and it has to be enjoyed as much as possible as well. And you know, the players are great to work with and um you know, we've we've well, twenty nine, thirty boys togged out there the last day in the county final, you know. Um so it's great it's great for the club to see that, you know, that all players are keen to come out and play for us, you know. And the trick finally now, i I imagine Porik is how you how do you translate this underage prominence into senior yeah. prominence, adult football prominence once again. There are probably clubs listening who would say, Well, if we get two Minor players who stay through and get into the senior setup each year, you know, over the over the over those transition years from from seventeen to nineteen twenty, we're doing well. Do four masters have specific targets in that regard? Uh, not, not really. No, our specific target at the minute is provide everything we can in terms of sort of you know pathway to these players in terms of getting the right group of people to maybe look after them at reserve and senior level, and for them to valued and sort of want to continue to play and once they go to college maybe or get work um, you know we're, we're always looking to be a, more of a community club here in, in the town you know with that in mind you know we're, we, we asked the club members about three years ago what they wanted to improve in the club and you know one of them things was a, a clubhouse and a gym and lights and maybe a second pitch so we're sort of working through through that at the minute you know we've paired up there with the Blue Stack Centre in Donegal Town and so they're going to be getting full use of our new clubhouse when we started. Maybe when we start building it next year. Um, so now it's a bit more than just playing for the club. Really, we want them to be part of the community and sort of come back to us. You know, whether they go to college or go away for a year or two, that they 
you know, we have the club there for them, you know. One last question, Porik. How have you managed to keep these players involved given the other counter-attractions, whether it's sport or other other leisure disciplines, you know, I'm sure clubs have the issues in various parts of the country where they're competing for attention, whether it's Gaelic, soccer, rugby. In Donegal, you've got a few prominent local soccer teams. You've got very prominent rowers in Donegal from the Abbey Vocational School representing their country in recent times. Has that been a challenge for you or have you been able to to make the cross-section well, of sports work? It is a challenge, you know, Donegal Town is every sport under the sun, it's fantastic, sports clubs in the town as well. Um, we work quite well with the soccer clubs and the basketball clubs, um, you know, there's no issue, all our players are dual players really, you know, um, what we're looking to do is just emphasise really what we're doing is as good as possible really, and as I was saying earlier, but if we can get them all football and games, it's, it's easier to keep them when they're playing and they can see themselves improving from the, from the games really, you know, but um, no, all, all, all generally most kids in Donegal Town, boys and girls play everything and, you know, it actually helps them, to be honest, you know, it gives them more of a, a, a rounding, a, a rounding in all skills, you know, the basics that they need for all sports. Um, so, no, it's, look, what we're looking to do is just provide as much football and fun for them as possible and if they want to hopefully stick at it longer term, great, but if not, they've got a good experience coming out of it. That's for Masters Club Chairman Porik Harvey on the continuing prominence, prominence of the club in underage Gaelic football in Donegal. Well, after a highly encouraging start to the new men's Super League season in basketball, Aegis Liga All-Stars winning three of their first five games. They're in the top five and were beaten narrowly by a point last Saturday evening in West Belfast against one of the title contenders, Belfast Star. They now turn their attention this weekend to the first round of the Cup. It's against St. Vincent's in Dublin. Here is their point guard, Tom Child, on their prospects of a cup run and the season so far. So far, so good. Um, and, you know, the good thing about the position we're in is, is we're not satisfied. I think as a group, we knew that people kind of were unsure how we were going to do, maybe overlooking us. Um, and we really put our, our stamp down and, and let people know that, you know, we're not a team you want to come and face. Um, and I think the other thing is, realistically, I think as a team, we feel like we should have probably only lost one. Um, and even that one was a really bad day at the office and something that, you know, hopefully uh, won't happen again. But as you say, the close close loss to Belfast at the weekend could have gone either way. And, you know, had a whistle or two gone our way, maybe maybe the result would have been different. Um, but that's something that, you know, we have to look past now. And, and you know, a one-point loss, when that come, comes to the mercy and they have to play us at home, hopefully we can beat them by more than one, you know, so we get the head-to-head. So, you know, all, all good so far, really, and just looking forward to Saturday. And speaking of which, the Super League is a marathon, not a sprint, whereas cup competition, it's do or die on the night, win or bust. Do you kind of like that sense of jeopardy going into a match of this scale? Oh, absolutely. I mean, those are the, those are the moments you you, uh, you live for, really, you know, where it's all on the line. That's where all the hard work comes down to. And, you know, there's no excuses. You've got to be ready. Um, you know, we can't leave it down to to you know any referee decisions or um, any luck we've got to go out there and put our, put our, uh, our stamp on the game straight away and, and be ruthless you know if we get up we've got to be able to put our foot on their throats and, and, and stamp on it and not let them get back in the game um, as you say cup game it's, it really is a sprint you've just got to be ready to go from the off and uh, you know you can't have an off night uh, we've got to come out with that desperation from the start of the game and 
and uh, bring it for the full 40 minutes. And I'm sure you're still learning about Sligo and getting to know the place. I, I, I imagine some of your Indigenous All-Stars teammates might have talked to you about how Sligo and Sligo Town, our sports teams, we like to think we can be a good cup team. It's been that way with the soccer team here, with Sligo Rovers. And in basketball, that on their day, the All-Stars have that flair. Have you seen enough with this current All-Stars squad that you might be a cup team? I, I mean, it's, in my opinion, absolutely. Absolutely, you know, but as you say, ultimately it comes down to the day. Um, I'd like to think that, you know, we're, we're having good good practices this week in preparation for the cup game. And I think ultimately that's all you can do. As long as you prepare, as well as you can possibly prepare and you, you give it 100%, that, that's all you can ask for. And hopefully the result will therefore take care of itself. Um, but as you said, you know, it'd be great. It'd be great to have a good cup run. I know, I, I know how important the cup is to, you know, uh, the fans and, and even just basketball fans. Uh, in Ireland in general you know the cup is a huge deal um, and I understand that and guys that you know aren't from Sligo or aren't from Ireland understand that too so you know we want to make a real good push and uh, really make some noise this year for sure That's EJ Sligo All-Stars point guard Tom Child the All-Stars play St Vincent's in round one of the National Cup the Pat Duffy Cup in Dublin this Saturday evening tip off 7 o'clock it's streamed live on basketballireland.tv A reminder that the final whistle is available as a podcast on oceanfm.ie and wherever you get your pods just search for Ocean FM Ireland to find it We're back next week same time same place